It's the Code St. Luke Telephone Broadcasting Service and Podcast for Monday, August 10, 2020. On today's episode, Kathy Diamond is here with the book review. She will be speaking about the book Beartown by Swedish author Frederick Backman. Here's Kathy Diamond. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Kathy Diamond, and on behalf of the Eleanor London Cote St. Luke Public Library, I am back again with my short monthly book talk, which is meant to replace the pre-COVID scheduled Monday morning book club meeting that used to take place in the library. And this month's book was scheduled as Bear Town by Swedish author Frederick Backman. So the book that I will be talking to you about today, Bear Town, by Swedish novelist Frederick Backman, is a book that was published to great critical acclaim. It um, it takes place on a remote. It was published in two thousand and seventeen, and is set in a remote on the skids Swedish town whose people are hoping that their junior hockey team might bring them national glory and with it economic revival. All is going great until suddenly a terrible incident changes everything, not only shattering the dream, but also tearing the community apart. While some sort of case could be made, as the New York Times and others have, that Beartown is a sports novel about hockey, written by someone who truly has a feel for all sports, it sells Mr. Backman very short not to place strong emphasis on what is far more relevant here than hockey. Right versus wrong fear versus courage, and the importance and limits of friendship and loyalty. Although in many ways, Beartown is surprisingly different, like Mr. Backman's previous books, it tells you a story that you don't merely read, but into which you immerse yourself. I'd like to tell you a little bit about his previous books, because some of you may be familiar and have read some of his other books. His debut novel was called A Man Called Ove, that's O-V-E, and it tells the story of a 59-year-old curmudgeon whom the reader comes to have great affection for, not because Ove, the main character, changes, but because he becomes more sympathetic as the novel unfolds. Heartbreaking yet humorous, it became an overnight sensation when it was published in his native Sweden in 2012, selling nearly 900,000 copies. When it was published, translated and published into the, in the United States in 2014, a man called Ove sold modestly but steadily until, thanks to a growing groundswell of word-of-mouth rave reviews, 
18 months later, it hit the New York Times bestseller list, where it remained for 42 weeks. Translated into nearly 40 languages, A Man Called Ove has sold millions worldwide. Mr. Bachman quickly followed up this literary success, one of these success stories with debut novel catapulting its author into worldwide fame, which doesn't happen very often. He quickly followed up A Man Called Ove with my grandmother, title of the book, My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You She's Sorry a tale about the relationship between an odd and precocious seven-year-old girl and her 77-year-old grandmother who bequeaths her the task of embarking upon an apology tour, apologizing far and wide for her grandmother becomes a discovery tour for the beloved granddaughter. Next came Brit Marie Was Here, about an obsessive-compulsive, socially inept, 63-year-old busybody long convinced she will leave life with hardly anyone knowing she was here. And, you know, it's interesting, I'm just thinking of this, that Mr. Bachman was a young man, and he was writing his first novel about a 59-year-old, and then about this 77-year-old grandmother, and now a story of a 63-year-old woman. So he's he, can, he writes from male and female characters' points of view, and picks older characters, which is, you know, something interesting for a younger novelist to start with. Anyway, so back to Britt Marie was here. So the 63-year-old busybody, and she's all of a sudden, she's upset because she realized what, what will happen if she dies and, and no one will ever know that she has existed. So without notice, she abruptly leaves her husband, her cheating husband, and takes a job as a recreation center caretaker in a back of beyond tiny town where nearly everyone else seems every bit the misfit that she, Britt Marie, is. She ends up coaching a soccer team of children who are as unskilled in the sport as she is and where, having left quite a mark, she realizes and does what she really wants to do in life. Like Ove, both these novels have been major bestsellers and his delightfully quirky characters and whimsical humor have brought Frederick Bachman deserved attention. The book immediately preceding Beartown was a novella called And Every Morning the Way Home Gets Longer and Longer. It is different from his first three novels, as different as it is from Beartown. It's a sad yet winsome, simultaneously heartbreaking and heartwarming tale. It's about a mathematician grandfather as dementia begins robbing him of his memories and the impact this has upon him, the grandfather, his son, and especially his young grandson. So again, you have a grandparent-grandchild relationship. This is, this, is, this is interesting. Now comes Beartown. And with this book, Mr. Backman cements 
his standing as a writer of surprising depth, as well as the feel-goodness that he's known for, and proves that he also has broad range, as well as the ability to make the reader understand the feelings of each of a dozen different characters with the same ease that he did in his works that were focused on a single central character. In Beartown, where the people are, as Mr. Backman writes, as tough as the forest, as hard as the ice, the star player on the beloved hockey team, a young man by the name of Kevin, only 17 years old, is accused of rape and the town turns upon itself. I'd like to read you a little bit from the book just to give you an example of his style and idea of how he writes. So he begins the story. The first page has has only two sentences on it. It begins this way. Late one evening, toward the end of March, a teenager picked up a double-barreled shotgun, walked into the forest, put the gun to someone else's forehead, and pulled the trigger. This is the story of how we got there. So it's you could say that it's there's a mystery here because what's the trigger, the shotgun, what happened, and how we got there. And then goes back, but this is remember this is the end of March. And then page two. Bang, 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 bang. It's an early, it's Friday in early March in Beartown, and nothing has happened yet. Everyone is waiting. Tomorrow, the Beartown Ice Hockey Club's junior team is playing in the semifinal of the biggest youth tournament in the country. How important can something like that be? In most places, not so important, of course. But Beartown isn't most places. Bang, 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 bang. This is in italics. The town wakes early, like it does every day. A small town needs a head start if they are going to have any chance in the world. This seems to be a refrain throughout the story. The rows of cars in the parking lot outside the factory, there's a factory in Beartown, are already covered with snow. People are standing in silent lines with their eyes half open and their minds half closed, waiting for their electronic punch cards to verify their existence to the clocking in machine. They stamp the slush off their boots with autopilot eyes and answering machine voices while they wait for their drug of choice, caffeine or nicotine or sugar, to kick in and render their bodies at least tolerably functional until the first break. Out on the road, the commuters set off for bigger towns beyond the forest. Their gloves slam against heating vents and their curses are the sort that you only think of uttering if you've had too much to drink, you're in great pain or sitting in a far too cold Peugeot far too early in the morning. If they keep quiet, they can hear it in the distance. Bang, 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 bang. 
So what is all this bang? And because we had this bit of a shotgun, you think that, is this what it's supposed to be? Is it supposed to be meant to mimic this, is the banging of of gunshots? But turns out, no, this is actually, it's something different. But this refrain of the bang, 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 bang will continue throughout the story. And Mr. uh, Mr. Backman continues, Beartown isn't close to anything. Even on a map, the place looks unnatural. It has been a very long time since the town won at anything. More jobs disappear each year, and with them, the people. And the forest devours one or two more abandoned houses each season. Back in the days when there were still things to boast about, the city council erected a sign beside the road at the entrance to the town with the sort of slogan that was popular at the time. Bear Town leaves you wanting more. The wind and snow took a few years to wipe out the word more, leaving what? Bear Town leaves you wanting. Hmm. Sometimes the entire community feels like a philosophical experiment, Mr. Backman writes. If a town falls in the forest, but no one hears it, does it matter at all? To answer that question, you need to walk a few hundred yards down toward the lake. The building you see there doesn't look like much, but it's an ice rink built by factory workers four generations ago. Men who worked six days a week and needed something to look forward to on the seventh. All the love this town could thaw out was passed down and still seems to end up devoted to the game. Ice and boards, red and blue lines, sticks and pucks, and every ounce of determination and power in young bodies hurtling at full speed into the corners in the hunt for those pucks. The stands are packed every weekend, year after year, even though the team's achievements have collapsed in line with the town's economy. And perhaps that's why, because everyone hopes that when the team's fortunes improve again, the rest of the town will get pulled up with it. Which is why places like this always have to pin their hopes for the future on young people. They are the only ones who don't remember that things actually used to be better. That can be a blessing. So they coached their junior team with the same values their forebears used to construct their community. Work hard, take the knocks, don't complain, Keep your mouth shut. Show the bastards in the big cities where we're from. There's not much worthy of note around here, but anyone who's been here knows that it's a hockey town. Once upon a time, Bear Town's ice hockey A team, one step above the juniors, was second best in the top division in the country. That was more than two decades and three divisions ago. But tomorrow, Beartown will be playing against the best once more. So how important can a junior game be? 
How much can a town care about the semi-final a bunch of teenagers are playing in a minor league tournament? Not so much, of course, if it weren't this particular dot on the map. A couple of hundred yards south of the road lies a, a couple of hundred yards south of the road sign lies the Heights, a small cluster of expensive houses with views across the lake. The people who live in them own supermarkets, run factories, or commute to better jobs in bigger towns where their colleagues at staff parties wonder, wide-eyed, Bear Town? How can you possibly live that far out in the forest? They reply something about hunting and fishing, proximity to nature. But these days, almost everyone is asking themselves if it is actually possible living here any longer. Asking themselves if there is anything left apart from property values that seem to be falling as rapidly as the temperature. Then they wake up to the sound of a bang. Bang, 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 bang. Those are the pucks against the boards. And they smile. And so ends the kind of introduction into what Bear Town is like. The story quickly becomes a rich exploration of the culture of hockey. It's really a book about hockey. And for me, who doesn't really, I was never interested in hockey, I found it a very interesting read, interesting for many reasons and and, and a riveting read, but this idea of hockey and of how people can become so obsessed with it. So even though the book is set in Sweden, I think it could work equally well in any small town, and maybe not has to be small town, in Canada where hockey is is a big part of the sports culture here as well. Hockey is a sport whose acolytes see it as a liturgy on ice, albeit an often violent liturgy on ice. So what happens in this book? Basically, Bear Town explodes after rape charges are brought against the talented Kevin, 17-year-old son of privilege and influence in this time in this small town who is nearly untouchable because of his transcendent talent at hockey and since a very early age we learn his talent has shone forward and he comes from a wealthy family oh i mean a well-off family his parents build him his own rink and nothing is is too much for these parents to train the talent that Kevin has. So he is the star. He is the hope for the team and therefore the hope for this town, which is an awful lot of responsibility on the shoulders of a 17-year-old teenager. The victim, he's the accused, and the victim is a 15-year-old girl called Maya. She is the daughter of the hockey club's much-admired general manager, Peter, who was another Bear Town golden boy back when he was younger. He was a hockey star who made it all the way over to the NHL in Canada. That's right, in Canada. Peter was lured home from Canada after he had injury, so he was no longer able to pay to play hockey itself, but he was still totally 
the game was his life. And he was lured home back to this tiny town, his hometown of Beartown, uh, with the challenge of winning, uh, bringing winning hockey back to his hometown. And so he's been the general manager of this hockey club, a very good hockey club for all these years. But now when we meet him after years of not doing well, the local club is finally on the cusp of a championship. But this would not be possible at all without Kevin, their star player. And so Kevin, but the problem is, is Kevin, this star player, the 17-year-old, is accused of raping the 15-year-old girl, Maya, the daughter of the hockey club's general manager. So here comes the, the conflict and the, the big event in the book. Despite his love for hockey, where fights are part of the game, Peter, the general manager, he doesn't like the violence of the game. His wife, on the other hand, is an attorney who doesn't love hockey at all, but she has a very aggressive take-no-prisoners demeanor in her own professional life, the, the, her life of law. There are the whole, and then their daughter is Maya, the one who is who accuses Kevin of raping her at a party, a post-game party, when parents, Peter's parents have gone away and left a big empty house. And of course, he invites all his teammates and other teenagers in the town. And, you know, a bunch of 15, 16, 17-year-olds left in an empty house with lots of drugs and alcohol. And there's this rape scene. And the big, Maya has a big dilemma is whether to come forward with the accusations and with the information that Kevin has raped her. Will she be believed? Will she be ostracized? What should she do? And it's a very brave decision on her part to actually come forward with the with the accusation. There's a whole cast of minor characters, including an older coach of the team who's now about to be fired because the sponsors want him replaced with someone else. Um, and Backman has, has a talent for developing the minor characters in the story as well as the main characters. There are scenes in this book that bring, bring, can you bring the reader to tears, scenes of despair, as well as a lot of moments of sly humor. Backman has a very good sense of humor. Like Friday Night Lights, this story is about more than youth sports. It's part coming of age novel, part study of moral failure, and finally, a chronicle of groupthink in which an unlikely hero steps forward to save more than one person from self-destruction. Within the guise of a sports novel, Beartown turns dark as Backman exposes the one-track hearts and minds of some of Beartown's residents. The isolated community, and this is a very isolated small town set in a forest. The, the town is in Sweden. The novel takes place in Sweden. But the story is a universal one, a universal description of homophobia, sexism, and politics that could take place anywhere. As Backman writes, small towns need a head start if they're going to have any chance in the world. 
And as readers soon learn, covering up a heinous crime is not up for debate if the town is going to make economic and social advances, which it direly needs. So that's why Backman's descriptions of screeching hockey parents who yell at coaches and other parents during games, not uncommon, unfortunately, they seem almost comical set against the ugly group mentality that takes over after Maya is raped and the Beartown Ice Hockey Club star player Kevin is accused of the crime. Current fiction may have no more courageous young female character than this 15-year-old girl, Maya, who faces hate and threats from her fellow townsfolk after she comes forward about the rape. And Backman writes a pretty gritty, heart-stopping account of the sexual assault, after which the novel then turns into even more ominous territory as the town turns on Maya and her family. But Beartown is not just about sexual assault. It's also about Beartown families closing ranks and perpetuating falsehoods to protect themselves and the hockey team. It's also about the all-encompassing culture of youth sports, the physical, mental, and emotional commitment demanded of the players, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's, it could be a good thing to channel all this energy that youth that young people have into sports. The trouble is that when perhaps when adults take over or when the sport becomes such an, such, such an important part of a community, then things can turn ugly quickly, which is what Backman is writing about. The way that te team sponsors, the adults, the team sponsors, the coaches and the fans treat players like products rather than human beings is also explored in Backman's story. This novel feels very relevant with its ugly locker room banter. The banter, the locker room. I mean, I was like, oh, this is okay. I guess this is what locker room is about. And the vulgar language and the, that, the, that, these, that the, the hockey players themselves use and the adults around them as well. The bullying, the disrespect of immigrants. And, you know, in Sweden, there are a lot of immigrants. So this, this is also a big part of the story. Interestingly, Mr. Backman himself is married to a woman who was born in Iran. So he, he comes to, you know, he has this, this dual culture in his family. Um, dismissal of due process and the towns blame the victim attitudes. This is what the novel, this is one of the strengths of the novel, all this that it looks at. So it seems like, you know, Mr. Backman seems like he writes these, these lighthearted, feel-good stories. But in this one, there's a lot more than that. Thankfully, some of the characters see the light. One of the men who learns that one of the hockey players on the team is gay has an awakening and his attitude from initial homophobia changes. But don't expect absolute justice in Beartown. Prepare to be uplifted, yes, but there's a lot of ugliness and a lot of violence, really a lot of honest description. 
when a victim, sorry, when a witness to Maya's rape vividly describes it, no one in the room will ever forget it, he writes. The same can be said for this memorable story of Frederick Backman's Bear Town, which was published, by the way, and translated in 2017. And for any of you who are interested, there happens to be a sequel to the story where Mr. Backman continues the story of Bear Town and its hockey team and the townsfolk, adding new characters as well, and continuing the struggle of the town and of its economic decline and of its obsession with hockey. This book, the sequel, is called Us Against You. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Good afternoon. Well, that is today's episode of the Code St. Luke podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to our guests, and thank you to you for listening here today. The show is produced by me, Daryl Levine. The telephone broadcasting service and podcast was launched as a way to get content into your home during the pandemic period. As you know, we had to stop our events at the library and at Parks and Recreation. So we hope you're enjoying the podcast as a sort of a virtual way of getting the content to you so you can hear your favorite speakers at home. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. Every rating and review helps others to find the show. Have a great day.